Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 187 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris, coming to you from Austin, Texas, on a beautiful day here in the city of Austin. I've got a guest today for my conversation, and we'll be talking about running as a pathway to truth with my good friend and many-time guest on the show, James Dodds. This is a conversation that I've been contemplating a lot about recently because one of the things that I think running has done for me, not just now during this time over the last few months of one, contemplating the global pandemic, and then two, asking myself big questions about racism and social injustice. I think running has been a place for me to pause, to reflect and to seek truth as I navigate some of these topics and conversations. And above and beyond that, it has also been an activity that I think because I do it to push my limits and because I'm willing to, like many others, put myself out there in a race, go for big goals, strive hard in this journey to become a better runner as well as better person, I think that process creates a sharpening in you that reveals truth, that reveals insight, that ultimately, again, makes you a faster runner, but also makes you a better person. And if you happen to do it with other people, if you have a community in which to do it, then I think that learning experience of finding truth can be even richer because then you get friends who can reflect, help you reflect on these lessons as they come. And so I've been thinking about this big question of running and how it's a pathway to truth. And so I posed that question to my friend James Dodds, and we had a conversation about it a few weeks ago. I wanted to share that conversation now because I think, again, because I think it's important in the context that we're in, in light of the recent episodes I've had talking about racism, is this idea of thinking about your own running and trying to reflect on the lessons it has taught you, the truths it has taught you through the years, and let it continue to provide those things to you, especially even now, as it can be a way to to reflect, to pause, to use your time on the road now to to dig into yourself, to be a part of this process of looking in the mirror and learning and growing. And so I wanted to have that conversation. I think it's important now. And so here is a conversation that I had with James Dodds on it. And as a part of that, I'll start with what I think is one of the first steps. Really the first step of that in the context of these conversations now is taking a hard look in the mirror. And I think running always provides a pathway to that, but I think it could also provide a unique pathway to that now as we all try to understand, especially those implicit, maybe subconscious biases that exist in us so that we can all be better humans and better support each other as well as of course the black community and and the people of color in our in our worlds so 
I'm going to stop there. Get get some of your thoughts. I suspect you've been thinking about the philosophy behind this question as well as some of these big topics this week and would love to just get some some thoughts and reactions. Yeah, there were there were three that really when you teed up the conversation last week that uh, kind of sprang to mind. And um, two of them are connected. Um, I would say like with, with training in general, I think <clears throat> early in my running, this idea of running um, being a pathway to truth, while I may not have used those words, I would say it, it, it gave me those early uh, running experiences um, or memories of those early running experiences of, you know, it was like a, a litmus test or a pathway to truth in the sense of it, it showed me my limitations. Um, I think the the beginning of a ramp when I first wanted to run a marathon and moving up, you know, to 10 miles felt like pretty smooth. And then, you know, going to the 12 and 14 mile distance, even 16 for the first time, you know, felt challenging, but pretty doable. And then 18 to 24 just felt like a slap in the face. Like, oh my gosh, did I... Um, you know, what did I sign up for? And am I capable of this? And I started realizing certain limitations in myself. I think um, the first two mile time trial I ever did, um, I probably had a minute slower on my second mile than my first. And I was like, oh, wow, I, I think a lot more highly of myself <laughs> than maybe um, I deserve. So um, I'm, I'm laughing there because I, I, I'm going to lead this to a good space. But I think it was good to bump up against my limitations. Um, I hope no one laughs at me, but I have read the book, The Way of the Superior Man. And I remember a section in that book um, talking about living at your edge, um, not living too far beyond it. Because I think when we try to go way beyond our limitations, then we're going to fall flat on our face. We're going to be in a constant state of exhaustion. We're going to be in a constant state of frustration. But also to fall too short of your limitations, to not bump up against them and constantly try to push ourselves forward um, will leave us in a state of like numbness or maybe even like melancholy because you you would feel like a lack of purpose. But basically the concept in the book, um, and it can be applied to all people, um, it just happens to be a book about like, you know, working on yourself as a man. Um, and that's um, that you have to find your edges of who you are, whether it's in thinking, whether it's in the ability to love someone, whether it's in physical fitness. I think physical fitness and running specifically is this space that's so tangible because you're using the full body, the mind, the spirit, that you can take the lesson, turn it into a concept and apply it to other parts of your life. So I would say get being exposed to these um, harder distances and then harder paces at harder distances uh, helped me realize certain limitations that were healthy to grapple with so that I could live where I'm currently at and try to grow from there. And then the second one that came to mind was, in a sense, it's still about limitations, but it's it's like flipping it, it's on its head. It's It also, running in this last decade, has taught me um, I'm stronger than I knew. And so it, it was first interesting to be humbled by the sport. Um, and then you know, some of the newer folks this season may not remember, but I, I distinctly remember um, talking about the Dallas Marathon as we launched last season. And I didn't hit my goal, but um, it was a super hot day. It was, um, it was just a, t- it was a tough go. And I got really close to my goal, which was like 15, 20 minute improvement to where I had been, because um, it's been about eight years since I PR'd. So um, 
just to get back that close to a PR um, and to put in a season like I did last year and then to overcome certain obstacles, uh, both in my personal life and um, using running as a constant way to just put one step in front of the other and move forward. Um, it did give me, in a positive sense, a sense of control, a sense of strength, a sense of belief in myself. So um, I thought of that like inverted, like running, can you lead you toward this path of truth, path of truth towards your limitations, but also to strengths you didn't know you had in, inside of you. But both of those, I'd, I'd say, are outcomes of it leading you to a form of truth, to um, a reckoning with yourself, a long stare in the mirror. And then the last one that came to mind, and I think this is where you might be able to apply it to the larger scale of like these conversations being had just in, you know, this time in life and us seeing the sort of the gross side of people. Um, but I, I'm going to talk about it in running first and then how, um, you know, to a larger life concept. But in running, I would say sometimes we, we find patterns and routines that maybe worked in our first couple of years of running that just no longer serve us. And that came to mind instantly because um, my best friend says he doesn't do New Year's resolutions, but he does like to each year <clears throat> kind of do mental inventory and ask like, what thoughts or mantras do I live by that no longer serve me? Um, he was a missionary right out of college and lived in a really, really, really hard space in the Sudan. And while he was there with a heart of love and there to serve others, he, when he came home back to the States after being there for five years, he had like a strong distrust of people and had a belief that the world would take advantage of you if at any given opportunity and that you always had to be on guard about that. While he was, he felt he was here as someone to love people, he, he felt he also had to 100% of the time be on guard. And um, he realized after a couple of years of transitioning back and being here that that thought was a false thought. It no longer served him. And I think we see that in running too, like with certain routines or patterns, like whether it be a weekly mileage setup or a running buddy or, um, you know, a certain love of a certain brand and shoes as they change them, whatever it may be. There, there's times where we have to, in our running, kind of go back through the the setup, the mental inventory, um, the approach to the sport and change things up at times because over time, certain things won't serve us. I, you know, some athletes have had, even had to switch coaches. I had this conversation at Rogue with my in-person athletes. Like I might serve an athlete for three years extremely well and it may be time for them to jump over to your group for a couple of years or then jump up to team rogue for a couple of years and the reverse too i've had athletes join me after being five years with another coach so the three i guess bullet points that came to mind when that, that triggered in my brain i can't wait to hear your your thoughts because i bet you have a completely different angle on it but that awareness of limitations um that awareness that we're stronger than we are and that that sort of um cleaning up of the brain and, and routines and habits that serve us for a, a while. And then we have to switch them. And, and again, that last one I think is maybe some of the biases. I had a conversation with um, a good buddy and uh, your friend too, Eric Stanley, who we brought up this conversation about racism and him, you know, being a kid growing up in a very, you know, rural kind of conservative town where you know, he had friends of color and, and by no means would have ever been accused of being racist, but just certain biases that he was at a, at a class at UT 
um, and a professor talking about how there's these certain biases in your brain and him just having these epiphanies of like, oh man, like I don't, I don't know that I can fully empathize and I don't know that I've ever been thoughtful. I don't know if uh, certain jokes are offensive that I think are innocent, but you know, to another person who's dealt with um, prejudice all their life, like, you know, there's just a greater level of awareness that was brought to his attention in this class. And he was reminded of all that during, you know, circumstances now. So that whole mental inventory, I think, is a is an interesting one that comes to mind. What do you think? And this, I'm, I'm going to ask this question. You don't have to answer because I'll answer it first. So you can think about it <laughs> while I answer because I think it's a deep question. And this has the, been the center of my pondering over the last week since we t- teed up this topic. But the question is, what's the most important or profound thing you've learned about yourself because of running Hmm. and and so that's been one of the things i've been pondering this week especially with the backdrop of everything that's happening and and I don't, you know, I don't think there's a perfect answer to this question. I think I've learned a lot of things about myself through my running journey. But the thing that I kept coming back to in my head this week is this idea of being comfortable, learning to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and that at least has been the thing that's come back to me because I think there are so many parallels in other parts of life. It's running has taught me to be more comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think that has pushed me to growth in areas that extend well beyond. So I think about like, for example, I was thinking about the start of my last two time trials. So I did the front door 5k last Saturday which was, you know, three weeks after we did our time trial there together on the track. And then that same week, a few days prior, I did a one-mile time trial flat uh, on a flat section of paved trail that Jason and Mallory teed up for us in the Vagabond time trial. So Thursday, one-mile time trial. Saturday, 5K time trial. And I did both with my friend Adam, who... He's sort of born to run short and fast, so he he kind of thrives and loves it. He also is always up for doing it with me if I tell him to, and that's you know what are friends for. But um, but before both of those time trials, I remember hesitating at the beginning. You know, we did our warm up, we did our drills, and then we'd go to the where we were going to start, and I would just like hesitate. <laughs> I'd kind of like walk around for a second, trying to gear myself up mentally for the pain that was about to come. And I remember in both circumstances telling him, I said, I hate this. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this because I feel like I know the pain is going to come. And yet, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. And so I would always take a beat, like do a little, like walk a little circle before, and then we would go. And of course, once I get into it, I may not be perfect about managing the pain, but I feel like I'm pretty good at it and I've gotten better at it over the time, over time. 
but you quickly get into a dark place in both a mile or a 5k time trial because that's how they are and then you just have to be there and work through it and it's you know in the mile i ran 527 the time the 5k at 1807 this time and so you know that's 23 plus minutes of being on the edge where you're suffering and just having to constantly deal with that mental focus in order to try to stay on it and not not pull back and I've gotten good at that because of the act of just doing it over and over again for the last 20 years of running. But I think in parallel, that translates to in daily life when I have uncomfortable things happen or I face uncomfortable truths or I, or I have to look in the mirror and say, hey, you know, am I handling this the right way? Or somebody gives me feedback that, you know, I didn't do this right or I said this thing that may have uh, hurt their feelings. I can face those things, I think, better because of running, because I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm comfortable stepping into a scenario saying, like the podcast I did two, a few weeks ago with Alex, talking about running and racism, I'm comfortable having those conversations, being uncomfortable in them. And I'm not perfect. I'm not holding myself up here. I'm just saying, I'm willing to step into those conversations. I'm willing to take a hard look at myself. And I think I'm better at that because of running. Because I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. And there's been a lot of times, especially in these last two weeks, but but really broadly in my journey on understanding my own implicit biases, that it's just uncomfortable. Because, mm-hmm. yes, there are systemic issues in our country that I was, and structural issues in this country, as well as overt racism in this country that I was exposed to as a kid growing up, you know, in a primarily white conservative environment that, that I've had to face. And the journey continues for sure. But, but I'm, but I'm willing to step into it. And I think I'm more willing and better capable of stepping into those uncomfortable situations because of, because of running. And that kind of seems silly as I even talk it out loud right now, but I, I really believe it's true. Mm -hmm. It's a great question. As you were talking, my brain started spiraling into, Oh, how have I learned to deal with discomfort, et cetera. Um, But to be true to the answer, I think for me, the biggest thing I've learned, honestly, is like, um, I'd put it under the bucket of like worthiness. And the one liner that keeps coming to mind is I deserve to be here. Um, and so even as I say that, I, I realize I'm not, I wasn't even trying to be vulnerable, but I'm realizing, oh, I'm sharing a side of my psyche that most people don't know about. Um, but you, you know about it. Um, but I think like my, my personality, I've, I've always had a level of talent to whether it be in school to kind of be in the top 10% window or, um, you know, in sports, just Jack of all trades. So like I could always be on the team, but like, um, even a captain on at different times because of personality, but, but not, not having that, like 
um, extra level to be like a starter or to be first in my class. Or so I, I would always fill a little bit of that gap. And somewhere along the way, I developed a, you know, just a constant state of imposter syndrome or, or sort of a constant thought of uh, like not being worthy. Like everyone around me was was doing it and in it and they represented what a like let's say with marathoning specifically um i had run like five marathons and i was still dealing with the thought of man what real marathoners do or x y and z but in my head i still treated myself as like this and i I wouldn't i wouldn't even say i was aware of it at the time it's easy to talk about it in hindsight but um it's just i would constantly have this this thought of like um, man, I'm applying all the concepts that the real runners use and I'm getting by, but I never, I never let myself be in that bucket of I'm a real runner. And I'd say I ran five marathons, maybe even six before I was going through the grocery store one day, like a normal random weekend grocery run. And you know, it's during a time where everyone's hating on carbs and I think even Tim Noakes at the time was changing his thoughts on like carbs or, you know, we're, we're, we're switching gears. Runners don't need carbs as much as they, and, and, but me walking through like the store and, um, still buying my pasta and everything and my brain justifying things saying, and, and it was the first time that it came from within. There was this, this little thought that came in my head of, um, well, I'm a high endurance athlete, so I'm going to buy these things cause it's working. And then I was like, wait, did I just, this is like an internal conversation in my head. It was like the first moment, a crystallized good feeling where it was like, oh my God, I think of myself as a high endurance athlete. And it was just this like stepping into moment of like, no, like I'm here. I deserve to be, I mean, I do this. There's probably someone that runs five miles per week less than me and 15 seconds slower than me and on average, and they're just, they're going fishing for me. They're going to pass me and, 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 you know, just like I'm fishing for someone else and going to pass them. And it was this beautiful moment for like my own personal confidence that I've since applied at work, um, and other aspects of my life, even dating, um, when, you know, uh, in work, imposter syndrome is like a great application. But when I first moved into tech, and I wanted to be a client partner. I worked so hard the first year of, um, uh, you know, that job where I was like, oh my God, I don't know anything about sports business. I don't know anything about uh, marketing. And I definitely don't know anything about technology. And I joined a sports marketing tech <laughs> firm that serves people. And we, we even consult now. I'm the guy now, four years later in calls, um, you know, telling NFL teams and vice presidents of partnerships, um, how to create new uh, forms of digital inventory to sell to their partners and, and earn an extra 10% on their annual contracts. And I'm not just teaching them how to use the software, but I'm, I'm giving them um, advice on how to build a narrative and how to position themselves because we can benchmark against other teams. And in the same fashion that, that running helped me um, have that first epiphany of I deserve to be here, I would say I used marathoning in that first year, year and a half of just trying to not get booted from the company. Um, I couldn't have gotten here where I am in a senior role at our company um, without having that, that worthiness thought in the first year and a half and that grit that I, I do believe came from running. 
because uh, after running you know 20 marathons it, it, it sunk into my soul like I have staying power like I I may not be the best I may not be the smartest but like I know how to just get out there and grind um, you know mile after mile after mile weekend after weekend after weekend and like this week was a long week a hard week a frustrating week but I know that something's going to change next week because of this week's work um, and that same kind of attitude that you develop as a, a marathon runner um, bled into my career and uh, I think you know has given me that truth or that belief or to your question, the greatest lesson I've taken from running is that I deserve to be here and that the work does pay off. That's pretty powerful, man. <laughs> well, thanks. Like it, I mean, that, I mean, I it's just like to think about the ripple effect of that confidence building that came from a simple act of putting one foot in front of the other especially in the context of the struggles you had, you know, last, what, the last couple of years mm -hmm. with divorce and so forth. I mean, that's like, think about where you would be through that had you not had running. Yeah. Yeah, I'm there's sure a whole, you, oh, go ahead. I'm sure you'd be okay. I'm sure you'd figure it out, but it seems like you just had, you were more ready, more, you had more tools to come out stronger in many ways through that tough time because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I didn't go that path because I was like, you know, we, we didn't get to rehearse this. And I was like, I have no idea <laughs> what, <laughs> what I would do if I started uh, going deep into that one. Um, but absolutely, it, it applies there too. And I was thinking it as I was talking about the career piece, I was like, I'm with you. I mean, in some ways, I don't know how I would have made it through that that experience. Um, but I will say not only the um, mental framework that I've learned from running helped me through that, but also running itself helped me through that in that, um, you know, my anchor point, like I like I went topsy-turvy where I was disoriented in life and felt no connection to it. Um, but I was like, you know what, Tuesday, I'm at Rogue at 530 and Wednesday night, I'm at Rogue and I will coach at 6 p.m. Thursday morning, I'm at Rogue at 5.30. And Saturday morning, I'm at Rogue at 6 a.m. And I will run. And those were, it was like moving through life like a kid on a set of monkey bars. It was like swing to Tuesday, swing to Wednesday, swing to Thursday, swing to Saturday. And yeah, I can, so, so not only the mental framework of what I've learned from running got me through that, but also the actual physical weekly management of just going from one run to the other and having that community at Rogue. There's there's no way I make it through the last uh, two years and be where I am now uh, without running in my life. Hmm. Made me think of another thing that running I think has given me, which is this I, this ability to connect with people in ways that maybe I wasn't equipped to without it and and that probably kind of goes back really to running and rogue together because i think the the power of the community is a part of that but you know for me running early on as an introverted person was a solo escape and and that that was my time to dig in deep with myself and figure things out solve the world's problems de-stress, et cetera. But then when running and rogue came into my life, 
became a vehicle for connecting me to others that has only grown over the last 10 years. And that's not just as an athlete, but as a coach to the point where now I rarely run alone. And I've learned so much from other people and my best connections with people have come and deepest connections have come because of shared runs or because of shared experiences via the run or because of coach athlete conversations or relationships that have developed that that where you just get to a depth of connection because of this common pursuit that leaves you really vulnerable at times that I wouldn't have developed otherwise. And so it's taught me to be a better connector with people or to build better connections with people, which is also really powerful. Mm -hmm. And we're opposites on that front. You're the extrovert (laughs) (laughs) who needs, who needs other people. And I'm the introvert who sometimes has to hide from them, but I think I'm better for the connections I've created through running and and what that's added to the dimension for me as a human. Lots to think about there. Yeah, it's a good one. I think that I would encourage everybody to ask themselves that question. Everybody listening, say, okay, what's the greatest thing? that running has done for me or taught me as a human. And hopefully us reflecting on that has given you some thoughts already. But but I love the fact that you and I came up, came at, came at it, that initial question from completely different angles because it just represents the fact that everybody is going to have a unique and u- unique and uniquely powerful answer to that question. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage everybody to spend some time digging into it because I think it's just good to reflect because it shows us that what we're doing is about more than just putting one foot in front of the other. And I also think it makes me relish in some ways those those moments of fear. The start line of that those two time trials where I was like, I hate this. <laughs> But I did it anyway because I knew it was good for me in a sense that I would, you know, learn something. And, and of course, there's also the, the physical benefits. But, but it's a way to flip that fear of racing or that fear of a start line on its head in a sense by showing you and reflecting on the power, the good that can come from those vulnerable moments that we all have while running and associate those vulnerable moments, those moments of fear with lessons that have brought good to your life. So I would encourage everybody to dig into that question a little bit if they haven't already. And I hope that us reflecting on it has given you some thoughts already, but, but find your own answer to it. So there you go. A short conversation on running as a pathway to truth. And as I mentioned there, I want to leave you with that big question to think about yourself is what's the most profound thing you've learned either about yourself or that you've learned in general because of running? 
because I know that every time we line up for a race, especially those long ones, those half marathons and marathons, there is a whole lot of fear that comes on that starting line. But there is also a massive payback in the lessons that we learn out on the road in the middle of the work, in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the suffering that eventually leads to us responding and ultimately getting those goals in spite of those challenges. So dig into that question, think about it, and then use that as fuel to relish in those opportunities to dig deep and find more inside yourself. So with that, as a quick conversation on this Monday, we will wrap the episode As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.